This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Natasha Rose and I'm joined by James Heal and Isabel Hardman. A long-serving Labour MP has been suspended over sexual harassment claims. Jaren Davies has been accused by five women of unwanted sexual behaviour. Isabel, this is another Pestminster scandal, this time with a Labour MP. When does it end? Yeah, I mean, I think when the first Me Too round of allegations kicked off in, in Westminster in 2017 it was clear that this wasn't going to be a sort of something that that burnt out quickly um and one of the reasons for that is that none of the main parties set up in the wake of those initial allegations uh, robust complaints processes and uh, the conservatives and labor have have both struggled repeatedly to respond to internal allegations um uh, repeated allegations or what is even more common in Westminster um, sort of names that are known within the Westminster community but that complaints aren't necessarily made about or at least behaviour isn't followed up um, and Labour and I'm not saying Labour are any better or worse on this than the Conservatives because I think all the parties really don't have their houses in order, but but Labour was criticised by the Equalities and Human Rights Commission um, as part of its investigation into anti-Semitism uh, for its wider complaints and grievance process. Um, and there are a number of Labour MPs, I think it's six, who are suspended in one way or another, most of them for allegations um, of some kind of sexual harassment, impropriety, or uh, worse, uh, some for, for bullying allegations um, at the moment. Uh, Grant Davis is, is the latest, and how the party responds to these complaints that have been made is a test of whether it has improved its complaints process since the Me Too story broke back in 2017, but more pertinently since um, the Equalities and Human Rights Commission's recommendations and criticisms into this. How much longer will this general Pestminster problem persist? I mean, I think it's going to persist for as long as we have a general culture and society where men think that they can get away with appalling behaviour and should say that Grant Davis says that he does not recognise the claims that have been made um, by colleagues. But I think it's it's fair to say that, you know, even if you look at the way that, that teenage boys behave, who are young men without the power that you see in Westminster, which is the really complicating factor in Pestminster, you see the way that teenage boys behave t- t- towards their peers I don't think we've moved away really from a culture where men think that they can behave objectionably towards women. So um, unfortunately, I think that we're going to have a very, very long tail of Pestminster, which is a shame. James, where does this story go next, Al? Yeah, I think it's interesting, Natasha, because this guy have already come out this afternoon and reported that they have seen evidence that the Labour Whips Office, which had part responsibility for this, had seen evidence beforehand for these complaints raised in Politico this morning 
uh, of what was going on here. So the, the question then becomes, who knew what and when? And then processes are asked about how how well Labour responded to this. Um, Sky have also reported that a Labour MP and a Labour peer have both said that uh, Grant Davies allegedly boasted about bringing sex workers to Parliament. And so, of course, it's then it becomes not a kind of sort of story about incidents, really, but a sort of sense of was this story well known or not? And why did no one take that seriously? Um, so I do think, it's as, as Isabel says, it'll be a question of how Keir Starmer chooses to react to that. They acted very swiftly over the Diane Abbott anti-Semitism with suspension um, still suspended. Um, so I'd be interested to see how this compares to that. And I do think it then becomes this question of you do have half a dozen or so Labour MPs for suspended. What is the kind of process there? Because we've seen a bit of controversy over Neil Coyle, who made uh, racist remarks in, in the bar of the, bar of the House of Commons last year and has only just been readmitted. So the question is then becomes, you know, how serious are these? And, you know, what are the proper disciplinary processes in a party? Because you remove the whip, but then where does it go from there? So I don't think this story is done yet. And as I say, it'll be a question about who knew what and when. And meanwhile, Isabel, Rishi Sunak is in Moldova today with various European leaders to talk about illegal migration. What's been happening? So this is really interesting because this is uh, another meeting of the European political community. Uh, It's Rishi Sunak's first meeting because um, even though there have only been two, um, last time they met, Liz Truss was briefly prime minister, um, so she went along. And this is, it's not a replacement for the European Union, but Britain likes to take this quite seriously because it's part of the sort of post-Brexit openness pitch um, that uh, the Conservatives are trying to make. And in this instance, it's also particularly useful because it's a forum in which Rishi Sunak can raise the thing that exercises a lot of Conservative voters, a lot of Labour voters and a lot of Conservative MPs. And so he's talking uh, about illegal migration and about the risk of uh, trafficking gangs uh, in particular. And he's asking for greater cooperation with uh, European partners, uh, not just over organised immigration crime, as he's describing it, um, but also um, extradition, including a a new foreign nationals returns agreement with Moldova. Uh, I think there's an intelligence sharing partnership um, with Bulgaria. So he's trying to announce things that show that he's He's doing something rather than just just talking about it. Um, And actually, some of these things will probably have more of an impact um, than the thing that Westminster has been very exercised about, which is the illegal migration bill. Yeah, I I think that it's interesting that Rishi Sunak is using the summit to push the issue of migration. Obviously, he's shown a preference previously for using these kind of international summits, these forums to try and agree um, multinational cooperation on these issues. Quite a, a contrast, perhaps, with his predecessor, Boris Johnson, who um, seemed pretty content with taking stances on things like the Protocol Bill, which were quite different from uh, the international community at times and the European community. Um, I do wonder, though, I think that, first of all, the setting of this conference in Moldova, just right near the border of Russia, um, is perhaps indicative of where European leaders' priorities lie on this. Um, Vladimir Zelensky is flying into it and is going to be very much more the star attraction of it. I think there's issues around sort of Russia and security going to dominate, so I'll be interested to see how much progress can be made. Isabel mentions the agreement with 
Moldova, I think last year there were three illegal migrants that came from Moldova um, and about 300 more from also from Georgia, which is where this, this new deal is, is kicking in. So it's sort of small steps. I think it's perhaps, I would say, like to say it's sort of a much, much, it's a much broader story and a multi-pronged approach is necessary. Um, but obviously all this is kind of setting the scene ahead of his visit next week to, to Washington and Joe Biden, which I think will be the real kind of definitive moment of his, um, of his post-protocol negotiations on the international stage. Isabel, do you think that Rishi Sunak has got much support for this within the party? Yeah, so there has been quite a bit of suspicion from the European research group uh, tendency within the party that Sunak doesn't really believe in this stuff as much as um, the Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, does and that she's the one holding his feet to the fire. And obviously there was the suggestion recently that the two were... um, at loggerheads over this, um, that she'd been uh, trying to push him further on on legal and illegal migration. Um, I think, as we've discussed previously on Coffee House Shots, that that's probably been overplayed somewhat. But certainly, it it doesn't hurt the Home Secretary to have a large number of Conservative MPs thinking that anyway, given. Uh, she and, I mean, this is always the case in the Tory party, they're always thinking about not just the next leadership contest, but the next 10 years of leadership contests. Um, but, it, you know, she's paying attention to her chances of possibly leading the party after the next general election, uh, if, as many expect, um, the Conservatives lose. So to focus on illegal migration at this summit definitely helps Rishi Sunak. Uh, they've been some happy noises coming from some members of the ERG today um, saying, you know, finally he's accepting that this is going to be a major issue at the next election. I think that's a bit ungenerous to the Prime Minister as as much as we like um, being firm but unfair on this podcast. um, He has made stopping the boats one of his five priorities. Um, So the idea that he's only just realised that voters may have an interest in this at the next election is, is a bit odd. But certainly it's it's one of the, the moves he's made recently that has made a lot of his MPs happy. So that's nice. Thank you, James. Thank you, Isabel. And thanks for listening.